afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Dropping the Gloves. Thank you for joining us today. It's been a while, Tim. It's been a minute since we've had an episode. I don't know. It's It's been a strange week for me. I haven't been available. Doing my kids' summer camp right now where I'm camp director, recreation coordinator. So I'm busy, busy. You know what I mean? Life happens. How are you? I'm sorry I haven't been around for you. It's a little worried. I was worried for you. And then I started being worried for me. Um, just because I wanted to make it about me and it was inevitable, but I'm good now. It's good to see your face. Sounds like camp was fun. I'm glad we're back at it. Have you ever had the thoughts that I would replace you with someone just younger, you know, better? Has that ever crossed your mind? For the first two years, I thought every episode would be like my last. I'm like, Hmm. this is fun. We're building this show. But at at some point, John's going to have to bring in like an actual person. And you probably thought that too. But here we are. Mm-hmm. Now you're stuck with me. Well, I wouldn't say that. There's always that potential. I think <laughs> yeah. it's good. I think it's good to have that axe mentality over your head. Like I could go at any minute. The sword mm-hmm. of Damocles, they call it. Who's they? The ancient Greeks. It's a Greek parable. The sword. The guy sits at a dinner table with a sword dangling above his head with a rope holding it, and there's only like one little string left, and it can break at any time. It's just a threat, the idea that there's a threat right above you, and it can break at any time. I was just reading about how the guillotine was made during the French Revolution to make um, killing people just, you would expedite it. There would be no, you know, problems. Yeah, it was just because I guess the old way, the English and maybe the Romans would have people late should we be talking about this there's kids listening to this show i don't think so <laughs> so uh, let's move on there there isn't a lot of news to talk about you know it, it it's it goes like this there's the big excitement of the nhl draft and then there's the big excitement of free agency and then there's a huge lull where teams just kind of buckle down and get ready for this season they see who we got Who did we draft? How do these guys fit into the grand scheme of the season? And let's move on. There's very few player movements. There's very few, really anything, Tim. The players are in mid-season training mode. They're ramping up for camp, which starts in a month and a half. It's just the dog days of summer. You know what I mean? So what are we talking about today, Tim? Who's this joker from San Jose? That decided yeah, to open his big fat mouth and complain. What is this joker saying? This is, uh, yeah, you got to dig a little deeper for the stories this time of year. But a listener shared this tweet with us, this article, and I found it really interesting. And so this Sharks player, Martin Kaut, I believe I'm saying that right, K-A-U-T. He's been with the Avalanche for a few years, um, and he was with the Sharks this past season. And he's only got like 60 NHL games under his career across four years. So he's probably mostly a minor leaguer. I think he played nine NHL games this past year. Uh, But he's making just a little bit of local headlines because he left the NHL to return to Chechia because he didn't want to fight, in his words. The report says that while Kaut was with the AHL with the San Jose Barracuda, coaches would say to him, fight and you'll make it to the NHL. And so the, and this and this is the uh, the tricky thing with this article. It was translated from Czech, right? And so this kind of like, well, is something lost in translation? Exactly what did he say? And so the report asked Kaut if he was forced to fight and he said, "Quote, again, this is a translation. One of the coaches chose an opponent for me before each match and I was supposed to fight with him. 
I remember once how he pointed to Adam Klapka. You know that name, John? Klapka? Yeah, he was the big defenseman from Calgary who made some noise in camp and he got a f- couple of fights. He's like 6'6", I believe, a little bit taller. Big boy. Yeah, the article has him at 6'8", 236. Now, Martin Kaut is 6'2", 190. So he's <laughs> fighting this guy is is a death wish, right? Um and so there's more here, but I want to just kind of get your, your take on this so far. He's basically saying, I'm a skilled guy. I don't want to fight to make it to the NHL. I'm going back home. Well, I th- first of all, I think he's full of it. I don't think a coach has ever said, go out and fight Martin Kaut right now, or who the other guy, Klepka from Klepka. Calgary, whatever he's saying. I think he's full of it. I'm sure he's had conversations with coaches that have gone the way of, you need to be more physical. You're too easy to play against. You're a six foot two, 200 pound defenseman in the NHL, and you need to use your size. You have decent speed, decent hands. That's not going to get you to the NHL. And what is a coach's job in the AHL? Their job is to develop players. They're not there to coddle them and to tell them they're doing a great job. They're there to develop skill, improve skill, and get you to the NHL. That's their only job. So this coach is probably saying, and I'm guessing it's not the head coach. It could be a former player pulling him aside and be like, hey, man, I played in the show. I know what it takes. This is what you have to do to get there. You're a first rounder. You have an opportunity. You have a good skill set. You need some sandpaper in your game. That's what I'm guessing is going on. And this guy is just over-exaggerating everything, and he's using this as an excuse to get away from the NHL to go back to the Czech Republic, and he's just burning every bridge out the door. It's it's insane. I've had coaches throughout my career say these things, too, because I went through large stretches of my career, Tim, where I was just, you know, I, I just was too easy to play against. Very comfortable. Very, very just kind of like, let's let's play a nice game. Everybody play nice, and we'll see who's the better player. It was earlier on in my career. But I had coaches stress to me, like, hey, you're a big guy. You're going to have to play hard. And so I took their advice in college, and I started being a prick. I was hacking. I was slashing. I was aggressive. If there was a scrum, I was going to be the first one throwing a punch. And it worked. I got to the NHL. If I didn't do that, who knows what would have happened. Maybe I don't even go to the AHL. Maybe I go play in Czech Republic with Martin Kaut. I don't know. But I, I just don't. You guys know me, all our listeners. I don't care for the woe was me, I'm a victim mentality, especially coming from a guy who had his opportunities. He's played 60 games in the show over four years. He has had his opportunities to succeed in the NHL. It hasn't worked out for whatever reason. He had a cup of tea with Colorado. Now he's had a cup of tea with the San Jose Sharks. It didn't work out. Move on. Move on. Don't be a baby about it and say, oh, they they made me fight. I was scared. For, I was, it was going to end my career. One time he pointed at a big guy on the other team and told me I should fight him. It's like, you ch- child and you chicken whatever. It's like, gosh, stuff like this irks me. It's like, just shut your mouth. You know what I mean? Nobody cares what you say. Okay, but let's play the devil's advocate for a minute. On, on In defense of Martin Cow. And so he's talking about the coach pointing to a guy who's got eight inches and 60 pounds on him, right? And says, in his words, go fight him. And Kaut says, I've had three con- three concussions and an injured shoulder twice. If I had fought with the ones he was picking on, I would have been beaten and injured. He forced me into fights anyway, and it really bothered me. 
I would fight for a good reason. If if it gets heated when the match is sold out or when you're defending a teammate, but some, but fighting someone just like that, I should be on the ice for the goals. Now we talked about this at length on the show. I know John's rolling his eyes. The 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 players who are close but not quite good enough on skill alone to make it to the NHL. Right? We've covered that in a lot of interviews and a lot of different episodes. And Martin, he had five points in nine NHL games last year. Like he's probably he's a good little player. He's not just a guy, but he's not an NHL caliber talent. And so he's, I get all that. The part that makes me believe him a little bit is the fact that he he didn't he didn't he didn't say yeah. Coaches said I should add grit, sandpaper, be willing to shed the mitts once in a while. He literally said he was so specific with it. He said coaches, the coach would tell me which players to fight each night, including these guys, three weight classes above me. Why would he lie about that if it wasn't true? You know I'm I mean? looking at the the coaches right now for the San Jose Barracuda. And I know exactly who um, the coach is that would have said that. It's Kyle Hagel. I played with him. Where did I play with him? Did I play with him? I'm going to look up his Wikipedia right now. I played with this guy when he was with the, oh, man, how do I know him? Did I not play with him? Did I go to a camp with him? I've came across him one way or the other. The guy's a fighter. That's all he does. He goes out there and he fights Everybody and anybody, he fights out of his weight class all the time. He's six foot, 200 pounds, and he fights heavyweights all day long. So I, without a doubt in my mind, this is the coach that pulled this guy aside and said, you need to fight if you need to make the NHL. I see the skill. Look at that guy is tall. He's tough. Go fight him. Toughen up, kid. And maybe he wasn't serious. He's just pointing out options on the other team. Go get him. Go make a name for yourself. Go get yourself an NHL deal. I could totally see that happening. Okay, he's not threatening him. I maybe he did, but I've been around the game for a long time. I've played in the AHL. I played in the NHL. I know how coaches are. I have never once been told to fight anybody. I've never once had a coach say, "You better fight this guy, or you're not playing anymore." And I was a fighter. So the idea that a coach is telling a skill first round guy to go out there and fight, or else he's done. I don't believe that for a second. What I do believe is Kyle Hagel, which I'm assuming it's him, said, go out there and dust this guy. You can beat him up. I think you can. You'll make a name for yourself. You'll make the NHL. You'll go to San Jose. Our defense is thin up there. It's not that good. Go do it. He's not like threatening him. He's not putting his career in jeopardy. You can say no. It's it's not that hard to say, I'm good. Go on the ice. Do what lots of people would do. And tap the guy in the shin pads and say, hey, just nod your head. Yes, I'm trying to, you know, make it look like I'm asking you to fight. George Locke said guys would do that to him all the time. So, I don't know. Anything else? It's it's. what did the Barracuda well, say? Because they, they released response to this, right? Yeah, so the, the, the Sharks, not even the Barracudas. This came from the Sharks head office. He said, they said, quote, we have been made aware of comments attributed to Martin Kaut saying that he was pressured to deliberately instigate a physical engagement with opposing players on the ice. Let us be unequivocally clear that no such direction was ever given or insinuated by the members of the Sharks or Barracuda coaching or hockey staffs, period. The period was an actual period. That wasn't part of the statement. So there's there's no dicing words there. They're, they're being very clear about how they feel about this whole thing. So I love it standing by their man. Even their captain, John McCarthy, used to be a pretty tough-nosed type of player. They got a young coaching staff. My goodness, their coach was born in 1986. He's 36 years old, John McCarthy. Remember him? No. No? 
I do. He played a, yeah, 80, 90 NHL games for the Sharks. It's the plumber. Does his job, but yeah, whatever. Go away. And that so, is the last you'll ever hear of Martin Kaut. Ever again, forever and always. He will never play another NHL game. He will never be on another NHL roster. That's it. You can't you can't say these kind of things without some kind of evidence and just basically try to throw a whole organization under the bus and try to get everybody in trouble because you didn't make the team and you're going to the check and you're done with the NHL and you just try to like you're making waves on the way out, man. Just I don't know, his agent's probably shaking his head, like, what are you doing, dummy? Don't do that stuff. Yeah, it's it's a good story. This is from Max Miller of hockeynews.com. And so my my final question on this, if he did go and fight Klapka or someone similar, how does that news get up to, say, Mike Greer, uh, the GM or whoever the head coach is now? Like, do they get daily reports, weekly reports, like reports just as needed? Like, hey, check out this guy just fought this heavy. Like, how does that commu- information get passed upward? Do you know? I would say there's probably a weekly meeting or just a, a brief on how San Jose Barracuda is doing for the Sharks. And yeah, it, it's a pretty normal thing. And as a young kid, especially playing for an AHL team that their NHL team is absolutely a disaster, the Sharks are a train wreck. They're looking for talent, especially young talent on the back end. Their defense leaves a lot to be desired. So this coach is just trying to help them out. But yeah, you do the, the progress report and you you hear back and then they start calling guys up and it's obvious who the Sharks prefer. And if you're not one of those guys who are getting called up, you have to do stuff to open some eyes. And it's like, oh, well, he fought Adam Klapka. He's adding this to his game. He wants to make the NHL. When I first made the AHL, I didn't fight much. I started to fight more. I noticed I got a little more attention. I got invited to camp. My agent was like, you keep doing what you're doing. If there's a call up, you're the next guy. The coaches in the Houston Arrows would say that. Like, you're the next man up. You've passed Sean Bell. You've passed Clayton Stoner. You've passed Eric Reitz. You've passed all these first round NHL defensemen. I'm the next man up. I'm like, sweet. Why? Your agent you told make... you that? My my agent would, yeah. Because he, 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 he was based in Minnesota. He would talk to the GMs. He's like, hey, when are you going to call my guy up? What's the deal? He's playing good in the AHL. He's beating up tough guys. When when does he get a chance? And lo and behold, something happens. And I go, oh, I'm getting called up. And I'm saying, take care, comb your hair to all the defensemen in the AHL who were drafted higher, have more experience, make more money. But I overtook I overtook them in Houston because I fought, because I had a good penalty kill under my belt, because I played the game simple. And I had coaches molding me to do that. I wasn't tough in the AHL. I had coaches who helped me along the way. Stuff like this. I, it's just, I don't want to paint with broad strokes here, but it's just European, like Czech Republic. Like, toughen up, man. I fought some tough Euros. David Kochi was a tough son of a gun. Ratis Evenons was a tough son of a gun. I fought these guys. Like they're they're not not tough. Like they're some tough guy. But then you read a story like this, and it's like he asked me to fight, and I almost crapped my pants. I don't want to do it. It's like all right, and then go go back to Europe. Go. I'm going to be like in trouble for that one. Europe is very good leagues. It's just I, stories like that are annoying. All right, what what else has happened around the league, Tim? Well, there's all these arbitration hearings, and it looks like there's some, most of them are actually happening. A few signings have been made. But the one that kind of jumps out to me is the Leafs and Ilya Samsonov, and here's why. They're pretty far apart on money, where he wants basically double what the Leafs are offering him. He wants $4.9 million a year, and they're offering 2.4. That's like a staggering more than double. Yeah. 
<laughs> what happens when the teams are this far apart? You go to arbitration. It's very <laughs> clear what happens. That's why they're going to arbitration. And by entering arbitration, it gave themselves another month to negotiate a contract. You know, July 1st was a date. And then they send him a qualifying offer. He says no. And he files or they file for arbitration. And it gives them a little bigger window to kind of work out a deal. But eh, it's not going to happen. He wants to make more money than Matt Murray. He is the starting goaltender. Matt Murray right now makes 4.687500. Such a dumb number. I don't understand. There must be some sentimental reasons why these guys pick these numbers. I just don't get it. Like Austin Matthews makes $11,640,250. It's like, just pick $11,500,000. I don't. Anyways, he wants to be the highest paid goaltender on the team. I don't blame him. He is the starter. He's going to get the lion's share of the game. He's a very important part for the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is a huge issue, Tim. You cannot let Elias Samsonov leave if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs. You really want to go into the season with Matt Murray and Joseph Wall again as your only goaltenders and lose Elias Samsonov to free agency? You're sunk if those are your two goaltenders. Even if you put Matt Murray on waivers, even if you buy him out, you're still going to have to move some money around. This is an, this is an issue for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I talked to Ryan Reeves about it, Brad Trevealing, Tree Living. He's got some work to do because Samsonov is your guy. You need to get this guy locked up. I know they've been linked to veterans. Oh, there's Brian Elliott. There's this guy. There's that guy. We're going to bring in some veterans. It's Ilya Samsonov. If he is not your goaltender, you are in big trouble. I know I always say goaltender doesn't matter, Tim. You, you, You can't go in with Matt Murray and Joseph Wall. If it's those two guys in, it does matter. Well, either way, there's lots of questions around Murray's health. And so Friedman said yesterday is possibly going to LTIR. Oh, shocker. Oh, my goodness. So imagine that LTIR. Oh, who would have thought it? So remind us again how it works. If if the arbitrator splits the difference and says it's 3.7, they they both have to accept it or or he hits the market? Yeah. So they have to sign it. They have to agree to the term. It's more so the team. The team says, okay, that's a fair number. Let's sign it. Let's move on. If the player doesn't sign it, then he just goes some kind of into just limbo where he's still owned by Toronto's rights. He didn't agree to the number. And then he just sits out the season. I've never seen a case where the player doesn't agree with the arbitration. I think by entering the arbitration, both team and player have to agree with what the arbitrator says. The team has the option to back out saying, you know what? No, you're a free agent. And then whatever team signs them, that player they lose a draft pick corresponding to the arbitration amount. There's different weights. It's like, okay, above 5 million first rounder, like three to four is the second. I don't know the the weights on the money, but yeah, it, it works like that. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. This is an interesting circumstance. Everybody f- settles before they go to arbitration, Tim. It's what it always happens. I'm excited. I would love to see. <laughs> this is where I go back and forth. I I like the chaos of this. It's like, okay, he goes to arbitration. The arbitrator agrees with Elias Samson up and he awards him $4.5 million. What do the Leafs do? What do you do if you're tree living? Do you, do you give him the money? And then you're $5 million over the cap and you have to just figure out where to make room? Because right now they are at cap. Once Muzzin's money comes off the board, once they figure out all their LTIR stuff, they're, they might even be a little bit over the cap right now for Pete's sake. He's got to he's got to do some cap gymnastics after this Elias Samsonov debacle is figured out. 
but good. Thank you, Kyle Dubas. Appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, moving on, speaking of the whole Chechia thing, there's this cool little report that Marion Host is having a quote, goodbye game be the last NHL or hockey game I guess he's ever going to play. It's going to be next month in Trenton. That's in the Czech Republic, Czech, Czechia. Um, you read his book, I'm sure, cover to cover, after he sent it to us. You want to know what's funny? Didn't even touch it. <laughs> That's not funny. I did, Why is uh, that not? Even um, who's the other guy we had on from Vancouver? Um, yeah, yeah. What's his name? Vol- Volpati. Didn't even open that one either. They're on the show. I haven't even opened your book, Tim. Dozens of people have read it. No, you, your book has gotten rave reviews, rave reviews. I just, I have like a, a, a book lineup that I have to read right now. I'm reading one called Father Elijah. Very good book about the apocalypse, but I'm just, you know, it, it, I'll get to him. I'll get to him. All right. So Marion Hosa, I saw this. I know you're, I know what you're doing. <laughs> you're trying to rub it in my face. Why weren't you invited? What you didn't get an invite to Marion Hosa's farewell game? Read the roster. There's some surprising guys playing in this game that I'm like, wow, that's some pretty big names. Who's playing in this farewell game? Yeah, Nick Lidstrom, Chara, Buffalin, Jarmelson, Havlat, Yalmason. What? Yalmason. You say Jarmelson, so that's a, I guess I shouldn't follow your lead. Patrick Sharp, Gabrick, Kapeski, Alfredson. Hanzus, Shatan, Roosevelt, Taze. So far, more to be, more to come. I honestly, I saw this last week, and for a split second, I thought he was maybe going to ask me, and he might. You never know. There could be because we were good friends when we played. Would you go though? Would you? Be, oh, hundred percent. You wouldn't. Yeah, Daniel wouldn't let you. She doesn't. I wear the pants. I'm the man. <laughs> no, you don't. I would definitely go. When? When would you get this opportunity again? To play in a game with this much talent. This might be the most talent on the ice at one point ever in a game. Like the guys you just mentioned will not all of them be in the Hall of Fame, but a good share of them, Lidstrom, Chara, get no Kapeski, Alfredson. I guess there's only three. Taves. Taves, yeah. And then Hosa, five. And then some really good, like, other players like Bufflin, if he would have played a full career and not got hurt, he could have been in the Hall of Fame. Chalmerson, fantastic. Havlat. Oh man, remember when he got buried by Cronwell? It's mostly um Czech players, Czech players, with a couple exceptions. Only two Canadian boys, Taze and Sharpie. Sharpie. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, Czech Republic guys. He lives right next to Gabrick and Chara, so they won't have to drive far. Lidstrom is Swedish. So Kapetsky, that was my hangout group. Kapetsky and Hosa in Chicago. If I had Haas's number, I would send him a message and be like, hey, maybe I do have his number. I could send him a message. Would you come with me to Czech Republic to do a show? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Imagine that show. Do you think Spit and Chicklets is sniffing around already? They already got their tickets booked. They're they're going for sure. You do you think so? Um honestly though, do you think they're gonna have them there? No, no. Hosa will have his, a local thing. He probably owns a production company. He's a he's a businessman. I think he owns the rink. Yeah, he owns a whole block with a rink and a sports athletic facility and a ballpark and good for him. He deserves it. He really does. That's pretty cool. Though. It, it's a neat way to go out. Like how how baller is that? You know, I'm going to play my last game. I'm going to invite like the who's who 
of NHL superstars. And it's just all for me. And these guys are flying in from all over the world because they all love Marion Hosa. And I'm sure if he were to do it earlier in the summer, he could have gotten Malkin. He could have got Crosby. He could have got more current stars who he's Dang. played with. Yeah. Datsuk. I wonder why Datsuk's not going. You Are think he's Russians fighting for room? Russia? Yeah, I don't see any Russians here. Let's let's get geopolitical. What are your thoughts on Russia, Ukraine, Tim? Still going on. That's what I think. It is. It's been over a year by one financial guy. I was like, what do I do? I want to build a house. Should I do this or that? He's like, ah, that Russian war is going to last a couple months. It won't, it won't, it won't see the summer because it was March. I'm <laughs> like, it's almost been a year and a half now. It's crazy. Yeah. Those Ukrainians don't give up. They should stubborn, stubborn mules. It's crazy. All right. What else are we talking about? Ooh, the Galchenyuk. Speaking of Russians, speaking of dirty Russians. <laughs> he released a press statement yesterday, a public apology from his own Twitter account, basically just saying how he was horrified and ashamed and embarrassed and all those words that I'm paraphrasing here. But he's entered the player assistance program. So he's of disappointed. Course. In himself, and he's basically saying, like, I, I let the fans down. Is mostly focused around the Coyotes because he had just signed with them. So he'll he'll quietly go away. Do you think this might be a dumb question? Has he played his last NHL game now? A hundred percent. There's yes. no chance this guy gets. If he does, then the Galchenyuk effect is just elevated to a new level. Because there already is the Galchenyuk factor where you have a good couple first two years, then you ride that out for another eight years. But if he can get another chance. With this, man, the GMs are really going back to the well a couple more times. But can can we just give myself a pat on the back when I was alleging what he did last week? Almost word for word. Like, almost word for word. He was threatening yeah. to kill everybody. Throwing racial epithets like it was going out of style. Like, this guy is an animal. He needs to be kicked out of the league. He needs to go to jail. It was, it was aggressive. It was and aggressive. I, had to, I pumped the brakes on you, but you were right. You were yeah. right. Like spot you were speculating, on. To be fair, it was you were mostly making that up, but you 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 know, blind squirrel. The list, no, the list of charges he got was lengthy. So it's not like he just had a few too many, jumped in the car and crashed into a telephone pole. There was resisting, there was like all these other felony charges that were on there. I'm like, holy, this guy must have really went off. And the Russians did. Yeah. The and I don't want to do just, you know, again, paint with a broad brush. But we saw it with Colorado Wishnistushkin. There's some creepy stuff going on there when they found that girl in his hotel room and she's like, he took my passport, he threatening to kill my family. And now you got Galchenyuk getting arrested and saying all these things. Those guys, uh, it's a different world over there. It's not just like a quick 10-hour flight and you're in Russia. You're taking a spaceship. It's a different world once you cross that border. Like There's, there's nothing like the USA at all. They It's a different lifestyle. You would probably love it, Tim. That's, a, that's your type of lifestyle. What about that makes, me, makes you think that I would fit in there? Well, because you like to degrade people. And you just like to just You're doing spit. it right now. I would like to go to St. Petersburg. I'm sure it's a beautiful city. But... Oh, I'm sure you would. Stalin. <laughs> yeah. Yosef Stalin, Leningrad. It was Leningrad during. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> the The Flames announced last night that they're going to retire Mika Kiprasov's number, 34. Love 319 it. career wins, 305 of those were, were with um, the Flames. He came up with San Jose at first. 
He's first in wins, first in shutouts in, in the team history, the best goalie in the in the franchise history. Um, yeah, good for him. Good goalie. He's that, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. That's not who you scored against, right? When you were the Flames? No, it was Jonas Hiller, I believe, who I scored with the Flames. But no, I, I played against Mika Kiprasov. Fantastic goaltender. Like, just so athletic. A la Dominic Hasek almost. Never out of the play. Always being aggressive. Challenging the shooter. Just a fun goalie to watch. Not your just traditional butterfly-style goaltender where you know where to beat him. It's like any butterfly-style goaltender now. It's like, okay, just go over the pad. That's the most ideal spot you're going you're gonna to score on a goaltender like that because they go down on the butterfly right away. It's like, okay, I'm just going to go, you know, three inches over. If I was a goal scorer, that's right. The Mark Messier shot. This guy was athletic. He was doing gymnastics. It was fun to watch him, fun to play. I was just looking up, did Mike Vernon get his number retired to the Calgary Flames? I don't know if he did. But he, I'm surprised that, you know, Vernon isn't getting a lot of accolades for the Calgary yes. I think he did. Yep. He did get it retired. Three so numbers. Good. Good. Number nine, Lanny McDonald. 12, again, 30, Mike Vernon. Okay, that's good. I'm surprised only three. You know, Joe Joey Newendike was there. I can't think of anybody else. But anyways, good for him. All right. Chicago Blackhawks first round draft pick Connor Bedard signs a three-year deal with the Hawks. Good for him, as expected. Signs everything to the max. It was actually the one that matched uh, Yuri Soklovsky from Montreal. So I think the max value is like $3 million a year or something. If he hits all his bonuses, makes every all-star team, makes every all-pro team, wins the the MVP, all these, this and that, it's $3 million. But essentially, it's a $900 and change $1,000 contract with some bonuses tied onto it. Good, I'm for, looking, good for Chicago. Yes, and I'm looking forward to later in the summer when we do the preseason prediction, what his over-under is going to be set at. For what? Points? For points, yeah. 82. You think? Yeah. Already? Do you know off the top of your head what the record is for most points by a rookie? Not uh, counting Wayne Gretzky coming from the WHA. That's asterisks all over the Solani? place. He had 76 goals, so he, he must have been over 100, right? Yeah. You would imagine he got some assists in there. I, gosh, he's not going to get that record. But yeah, he will lead the Hawks in points. He will win the Calder. He will have an incredible first season. And I said it a few weeks ago after he was drafted. It's because he's going to get every opportunity, Tim. They're going to play the piss out of this kid. Like he's going to get first power play minutes. Stay out there the whole time, kid. Don't even don't even bother coming up. Offensive zone face up. All right, you go. You stay. Over in the D zone. No, no, no. You get off the ice. He's going to just be all offense all the time. He's it's going to be fun to watch. I'm excited from this season. Good for the good for the Black. They deserve it. The Blackhawks. They've been they've been down and out for so long. Like when was their last cup? 2015. It's been forever. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a long time. The poor. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the second pick? The Columbus Blue Jackets. Like, come on, you guys, let's go. Throw throw us a bone here. And then they did. They got Adam Fantilli. So good for them. Fell in, the, fell in his lap. All right. What else, Tim? We've got a couple signings. Yeah, the Kraken extended Ron Hextall through 2026. Um, so two-year extension. And then Ross Colton avoided arbitration. He signed a four-year contract with Colorado at a $4 million per. See, you were avoiding arbitration. Going back to the Hackstall, he's a good coach. Isn't it funny how coaches just don't work out in other places? Like he was the coach for the Philadelphia Flyers and he was absolutely trash. They ran him out of town. And then he just gets the Seattle Kraken job and takes him to the Western Conference Finals. And now look at him. He's got a job for another three years. He's a good coach. Just didn't work in a different system. I, stuff like that is always interesting to me. It's like, why didn't he work in Philadelphia? 
I just don't understand. All right. What else? Anything else, Tim? It's really it, unless it's something else you want to talk about. I just read an article that no, you apparently... Didn't. You read a headline. What? Let's be real. Let's be clear. You saw a headline. There's rumors going around that Austin Matthews has his number for his extension. Nick Kiprios, friend of the show. Friend? Friend of the show, Nick Kiprios. He believes it's 13.5 average annual value for Austin Matthews. Most likely four years. I don't think he's going to sign a long-term deal with Toronto. I don't think he wants to retire with the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's going to play it by ear, see how it goes. Would you give him right now today 13.5 over five years? Yes. 75 Schmill, roughly. Yeah, I would. I would, but you have to trade Nylander if you do it. Well, and and then other things too. Like that's a lot of that's a lot of money. I wouldn't, but that's just me. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Well, for reference, Connor McDavid makes twelve five. So, yeah. Who would uh, you rather have, him or look? It's it's not even obviously. Yeah, but that also has a timing with it too. He signed that three years ago, whatever it was. Okay, so you bring McDavid into it. McDavid sees Austin Matthews get thirteen point five. McDavid's up in three years. The cap is supposed to jump exponentially next year, like pushing 90 million. That's what the prognosticators are saying. What does Connor McDavid get when he's 29 years old? Probably just threw 160 points in the board, wins a Stanley Cup per se. What does he get if Matthews is getting 13.5? Is he getting 16, 17? It's so it's so far away. It's three years away. It's, it's so hard to predict. But yeah, closer between 15 and 20, probably. If he keeps doing what he's doing, the cap keeps going up. But who knows what will happen. We can get another Is COVID. Connor Bedard going to be getting $20 million in his career year? <laughs> um, maybe. Yeah, probably, yeah. I see. A lot of money. I don't think, think hockey is going to grow that much. As as painful as it is for me to say, I, I don't think the league markets itself well enough. I don't think we grow fast enough to get to those type of levels. I think our high will be 15 million. That'll be the watermark for hockey players. Maybe I'm wrong, but we've been stagnant. I was talking to Randy McKay. We did the golf tournament, and he was just saying how salaries when he played 20 years ago were the same level that they are now because there was no salary cap. And so it's not like, I don't know, it's not like there's more money in the system and the game has gotten so much more successful. The owners were able to spend that much money 20 years ago. So the game hasn't grown much in 20 years. Because you figure, it, it, I don't know. It was interesting talking to him. We should get him on the show. He's an interesting okay. guy. Yeah, let's, let's get him on. Is he free now? He probably is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately you probably <laughs> but um, all right we will um i guess take off tim we'll talk to everybody on friday right yes we'll see you friday thanks for listening all right everybody cheers thanks for listening to dropping the gloves with john scott a member of the nation network of podcasts subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode 